Hello, all. I am Daniel Kubal. I am the host of the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. Again, welcome back. Today, we have a very special guest, Steve McHugh. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much. I hope you're well. Yeah, I'm well. Again, thank you so much for rescheduling. I don't know what was up with my computer last week. Took about eight hours to figure out that other episode. And I was, my friend goes, you're not gonna be able to record later. I'm like, that's true. And he's my tech guy. So I really, really appreciate you coming back. We were no, very bummed to no miss problem. you last week. So I uh, just Always want our, to the tech guy. I know, right? Just want our audience to know. So Steve's book, uh, Black Code, came out this past Tuesday. Uh, so we were really disappointed that we couldn't get to, you know, the interview sooner. But we are happy to see that, you know, it's doing really well. And we're hoping to, uh, we're actually, gonna get to, like I told, told Steve before we started recording, we are going to put this podcast out right away today. Um, on all the platforms. Uh, and then we're actually going to get the Spotify channel up as well. So if you're listening to us on YouTube or one of the other broadcasts like the RSS feed uh, on their link, we will also have that Spotify channel up and running. So please make sure you check out these other episodes as well as Steve. Um, Steve, I'm going to start off with that first question. Uh, I kind of talked about a little bit um, in the past. I like to talk to people ahead of time and you know kind of see where they're at currently but I always want to know what has your uh, writing journey been like up until this point I know that's a hard question sometimes but it is it's a long question yeah uh, everybody always wants to know like I keep getting emails <laughs> and messages and they're like please ask these people because you know your guys' fans want to know like what has your writing journey been like up till this point? I think I think the thing with with writing journeys for authors is that every single one of us has a different one yeah. There's not. There's no two that are the same. There's there's similarities and bits, but not actually the same. Um, I started writing. Uh, I, I fell in love with writing when I was at school. My my English teacher. Uh, I used to read a lot of choose your own adventure books by oh, cool. Steve Jackson, even Ian Livingston. Um, uh, every week we had to fill out a form to say what book we'd read for English. Uh, and my teacher took me aside, Mr. Piercy, took me aside and said. Um, you need to stop reading these choose your own adventure books. You need to read an actual book <laughs> and not one where you need to roll dice and write down numbers. Um, so I was like, okay. So he said, go next door to the library and pick three books. So I went next door to the library and I picked up um, Men at Arms by Terry Pratchett. Uh, one of the David Gemmell books. And I, I think it's Dark Moons or Twin Moons or something like that. And Stephen King's It, which should not have been in a school library for 15-year-old <laughs> kids. Um, and uh, I devoured them. Went to the library, got every Stephen King, Dean Coots, Clive Barker, uh, anything I could find. Just devoured it all. Uh, and that was kind of, that made me think, this is what I want to do. And then I did nothing until I was about to become a dad for the first time when I was 25. And that was sort of the impetus for me to kind of do uh, We are, I either need to do this or I'm going to turn to one of those people that always says I'm going to do it and then doesn't actually do it. And I don't really want to be that person. So I wrote a book uh, called uh, For Passings, which was rubbish, and um, put in the graph for years. And then I was going to, I went to get agents for uh, Crimes Against Magic. Mm. And I got lots of, we really like it, but and uh, it's not quite right for now and stuff like that. Um, and I decided to self-publish it. I had a bunch of friends who were self-publishing at the time and uh, they all do very well. So I self-published it. And then at the end of the year, a publisher rang me up and said, we'd like to republish that and everything else that you write oh, in wow. this series. Uh, and then the following year, 
after I'd put out my third book with the publisher. Then I got an agent for book four. And then, yeah, then it's all kind of, you know, and then I got uh, nominated for a, a Gemmell Award for Best Novel. And, and uh, it's, it's gone from strength to strength, really. But yeah, the, the, the initial sort of from not being published to being published was kind of a weird way. And a lot of authors don't have, they, they kind of do it a bit more, they get an agent and then they get a publisher. And I did it the wrong way around or the <laughs> right way around, depending on the point of view. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my, my writing journey. And then I, I, I finished the, the, the whole Nate Garrett Heliquin story, the last book of which came out in February, <clears throat> called Horseman's War. And, uh, and then I don't, wasn't under contract for anything else. So I just wrote some stuff, sent that to my agent, which she's now got. And I thought, you know what? I, I've had this science fiction book just sat there for ages and I've not done anything with it. So I decided to publish it and see what people think. Uh, and that was Black Coat. So that pretty much is a very truncated version of my writing history. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that because like, um, you know, like uh, Dirk Ashton and I were talking about, you know, like um, Anthony Ryan, for instance, you know, who went so like self-published and then, you know, went back and forth and then was publishing and, you know, now is kind of, does it kind of like a Brandon Sanderson, kind of like a hybrid where he'll publish, you know, certain things traditionally and then other things, you know, he's got where, it's yeah, be, you know, indie. So, yeah, it's funny because we were just talking. I just talked to like a few like Michael R. Fletcher about that, too. He's like, is there because he had an agent for Beyond Redemption, you know, and then they published it. I forget which company. And then, you know, the other ones like nobody really wanted. But then, you know, the indie community loves them. So it's just it's really interesting to me to see you guys and, you know, how and I think it's good for people to know that, you know, that it is. Yeah, it is. a journey. I think you know? It is. And I think. um Traditional publishing it will always be there. And I think over time, more and more authors are going to do um, hybrid publishing. Yeah. I think self-publishing lets you take more chances. It lets you do things that when you're in a publisher and, you're, and you have a successful series or a successful book, a publisher really likes it if you keep doing that. They, they, if you have a successful science fiction or fantasy or whatever book, they'd like your next one to be a success in the yeah. same genre. Um, and with self-publishing, that's not really a, I don't have that same constraint. If I want to publish, write something that's science fiction, I can. If I, if I wanted to try different things, I can. I can experiment. I can do other things. And, um, and also traditional publishing is very slow. Yeah. And self-publishing is as fast as you can write and get it edited and get a cover done and get it put out there. So I think over time, those two you're going to see more authors kind of doing both as yeah. opposed to more of one than the other well i totally agree and brandon sanderson talks about this with his online lectures um and unfortunately <coughs> got stopped with the pandemic you know so he, he started to do some other things but he mentions it in there um right before the pandemic I think it was like february and he was talking about like skyward right so his novel and that was one where he talked to his agent. He was like right away and was like, he was like, if I'm going to traditionally publish, he's like, I still want to be able to, you know, indie publish on the side. And he was one of the first traditionally published authors um, besides Anthony Ryan that I had heard who had had that in their contract. He's like, I'll give you guys these things, you know, but then this, these young adult, these science fiction, he's like, I'm going to indie publish. And I mean, Skyward and the other two, like the third one just came out. It's been, they've been very, very popular. And that's like the, Oh, the librarian series that he does, the young adult ones yeah. have been super popular. And 
you know, but he talks about that now. I mean, it's funny when it was like before the pandemic, you know, like where he's like, yeah, it's been pretty successful at Skyward, but then literally it, all the sales went Skyward, you know, for those indie published. And I think it's because sales were up like 65%, they said last year during the pandemic, you know, and I think indie, you know, like you said, like the traditional publishing was already slow and now with the pandemic, it's even slower. So I just think yeah. a lot more people are going to, are going to go indie. So. Yes. And I think, um, the, the, when I first self-published Crimes Against Magic, this was 2012. So okay. that was a while ago. And the big kind of rush of indie authors had just started. And um, there was still a lot of your independent author. You didn't edit it. You didn't write it properly. You couldn't get published normally. You, you know, whatever. And there's still some of that now, but it's much, much less than it was back then. I think people are starting to see on indie authors be seen as a com as, as favorably in comparison to traditional authors oh, yeah. um you know mike fletcher and dirk and rob hayes and and, and alicia and and co they're, they're all absolutely superb authors and they could all be traditionally published authors if yeah. they should wish to have done so um so yeah no i think i think over time you'll start to see that discrepancy of people thinking well you're an indie author mm -hmm go hopefully go away because um, yeah. indie authors are putting out some absolutely amazing stuff oh like, yeah just absolutely amazing well look at the, like we just talked even just the covers the other day you know just the covers <clears throat> just the blurbs just the you know whereas in the past you could be like you could look at one of these books right like and no offense to the indie community but like you know you're saying like 2012 even like a couple years ago you know like you look at somebody you're like okay and if you just looked at the covers or the books themselves, you're like, okay, this is an indie published book. And we talked about the other day where like, it's, we're blurring the lines here. You guys are yep. doing a great job. And like, yeah, like, you know, you can't even tell, you know, between reading or looking at even just the covers or the blurbs or anything yeah. online that it's indie versus traditional. No, I mean, for example, Rob, Rob Haynes never died. Yeah. He's one oh, of the man. most beautiful covers I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. Man, Felix it's is just amazing. sensational. <laughs> And and that would be sat alongside any traditional fantasy cover that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, the thing the thing is is that uh, it's it's people are finally understanding that a lot of independent authors take it seriously. And yeah. If you take it seriously, you can have success. And if you want to keep having success, you need to keep taking it seriously. It's a job. It's not a way to make quick buck. Yeah, yeah. So the people who thought it was a way to make a quick buck, they're kind of going away because yeah. they've realized it's not. Um, so, yeah, the, the people who, who are doing well are the people who take it seriously, which is how it should be. No, I, I, think, I think you really hit the nail on the head there, though. Like, I consider like teaching nowadays, right? Anybody that goes into teaching wants to be there because there's so much extra stuff you have to do. And I, I actually like it because, you know, like, First of all, you don't get a big paycheck, but like you have people that are like, I want to do this thing. And years ago, I used to teach with people that like didn't want to be there, didn't like the kids and they did it for the paycheck. But it's kind of nice where, you know, on the flip side of that, because now you have people that know what they're doing, are highly trained and really want to be there. And I feel like you, you know, the same things for indie publishing. It's like before it was like a vanity press, you know, right? Um, like originally, and then like originally, even before you got into it and you know, that's what people thought of it. But then the vanity presses went away and there were some still there, right? Some people trying to, you know, to make money and do that. But really, 
you know, with like a um, couple years before you with like Lindsay Baroker, right? I think she was 2009, you know, where, and, you know, uh, Joe Lalo, um, who's a host with her on their podcast, you know, like they were really some of those first people to indie publish yeah. where it was indie published as we know it today versus yeah, you know, yeah. some people think is a vanity press and it's not. And yeah. I really think that you make a good point though, that, you know, there are people that are here are very talented, choose to do it. I think there's also that stigmatism that people think you're forced to do it. Um, you know, because yeah, you don't yeah. get hurries or whatever. It's like, why, like, like Kevin Hearn's one of those guys, you know, who's traditionally published and, you know, amazing books, amazing author, but it took him six years for anybody to want Hounded. And when I read Hounded, I'm like, I would have picked it up instantly as a publisher, you know? Yes. And, you know, like with your first one, right. With the uh, Helican Chronicles, I went and looked at that one, um, you know, a while back, just the description. And I'm like, that to me, that's what I want. I don't want a lot of werewolves or vampires. Like I want the magic and the world and urban fantasy and your Avalon uh, books too. Like that, uh, which I had not realized that I had not gotten those on Goodreads. So I actually just added those earlier today. And those, are, those interest me, you know, and those might not be traditional for urban fantasy, but me and Dirk Ashton were just talking where his aren't either technically, you know, but no, yeah. You know, that's what I want personally, you know, and that's yeah. the kind of stuff I like to write is, you know, like I was looking at your descriptions. I'm like, see, now I'm going to have to grab the first one, you know, cause I'm like for both of them, I'm like, those are my kind of urban fantasy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, 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 I think I, I, there are werewolves and vampires and things like that. In no. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 But they're, but they're, they're, they're traditionally, obviously um, urban fantasy is, yeah. is vampires and werewolves. But you have to have your tropes. Like, but... Yeah. Um, and I did. And, and so, so the, the Helicon Chronicles, was is basically me thinking, yeah, this will be fun. Let's write it, and then I did, and then people, other people like it, and the Avalon Chronicles, which follows on from Helen Chronicles, oh, and then cool. Rebellion Chronicles follows on from both of those. It's one oh, long cool. story. Oh, that's stories. good to know. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, there, there's this. It's just as 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 the books have gone along, and, and I've hopefully improved as an author. Um, I just. I can see things now that I'm like I'd like to put that in there I think that's a really good yeah let's let's go with that let's put that in there and let's do that let's move those around and let's take some of it because because I've always been a big fan of mythology so so yeah. when I came to kind of writing the books instead of picking one I just thought I'll just use them all because they're all very interesting and yeah why does one exist and not another one why why is one real and not another so I used them all and then just stuck stuff in like ethereal legend and Okay. And and stuff like that. So I got to have my cake and eat it a little bit, and just sort of <laughs> just stick as much as I wanted in because I found it interesting. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, and it worked out quite well in the end, I think. But yeah, it's uh, there's definitely uh, uh, I think that urban fantasy these days is is definitely gone away from uh, werewolves and, and vampires specifically. Yeah. Although uh, erotic. Um, paranormal fantasy yeah. is definitely still the werewolves and vampires and yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm not, I, I couldn't write that. And fair play to them that they can. I just, I, I read it. It's the, my first book had a few sex scenes in it. And then and I wrote the first book and got it published and I read it back. And then I realized I don't like writing sex scenes. So I didn't do them anymore. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I couldn't write like erotic yeah. fiction because I've just been the whole time just cringing. Oh, uh, horrendously. <laughs> that, that I was like, oh man, I've got to think of another word for this particular part of a person's anatomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've got friends who write erotic 
erotica and they write amazing stuff and um no i i personally could not no could yeah, not yeah. do that my friend and i were just talking about that uh the other day uh we were talking about well actually mark timoney and i were talking about that too of just like sticking away from those because i'm like he said he's like well it's like it's not something that i like to read you know particularly in you know fantasy or whatever because like him and i are both really used to the forgotten realms and Dragonlance, so we like to write like those and you know i like to write things that my 14 year old students can read you know there's violence and things but like you know i at the same time it's like because those are the kind of things i personally like to read so those are the kind yeah. of stories i like to write and all power to people you know who can write like that it's i first of all can't and i think it's because i don't like to read you know certain things um i liked it i just want to be i'm just there for the adventure i don't even have a lot of romance in my books i would say i do some just for whatever but like i don't really have too much because i'm not really interested in that personally so yeah but people that can do that i mean they're some of the most successful authors you know yeah there, especially indie so yeah, yeah, yeah there, there's there definitely a lot to be learned there 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 are yeah there are people out there who make an exceptionally good living probably, yeah uh, or even just the advertising natural. you know yeah yeah just just how they hook the whole market like that and you know there's a lot out yeah. there in that market so it's like there is a lot out yeah there. like Lindsay broker talks a lot about that you know like where <laughs> she had her pen name and stuff and she was doing really well and but she's like oh you know i just it's not really what i like to read and so she you know switched to fantasy and sci-fi and i've read a couple of hers and i'm glad that she did that because i really like how how she writes and um i really like her her characters and stuff but yeah it's definitely um yeah, it just shows you, I feel like, where indie publishing is really successful, though, because a lot of those books, you know, like you said, the paranormal romance, um, you know, those are, those are, there's so many series where, you know, they're very successful, and you, you got to wonder, like, you know, because some people are like, well, people are, the market's tired, or the people are tired of this and that, and then I always point to those, you know, two genres, I'm like, clearly not, and I feel like Urban yeah. Fantasy is like that, too, where it's like, you know, like, people like me, like, I'll read really any urban fantasy but you know there's so many different layers you know and i don't know i just i feel like there's so many different tiers within like me and dirk were talking about that like him and i like um and then scott odin with his right we're talking about like maybe we should just band together and make a mythological fantasy <laughs> genre or mythological urban fantasy or something you know so just you know because those are those, that's why i like like patricia briggs books the best ones i think are when you get into the Mercy Thompson, um, you know, the actual mythology of, you know, um, Coyote, like, uh, you know, and just the different gods and things and, you know, yeah. the, the Irish mythology, there's just so many, there's a little bit of Arthurian stuff in there, you know, there's just so many cool things that she does in that world. And for me, it's not about the werewolves, even like if my, my buddy and I were just talking about this, it's so cool, because you know, like she's got the walking stick and there's so many things like huge walking stick. There's, you know, very minor things that some people would look at mythologically speaking, but she just, you know, makes them huge characters or huge plot hole or lines, you know, and it's just, it's crazy to see what people do with that. You know, Dirk's one of those. So yeah. I just, yeah, I yeah. I love, fun. I love taking mythology and, yeah. and, and then twisting it to see what I can do with it. That makes it, the same but different yeah um, like turning galahad into an absolute tit um <laughs> just the most horrible horrible human being you could possibly imagine yeah and uh and and and, and stuff like that just and and I, I find that endlessly entertaining yeah, that yeah i can do that 
See, yeah, like I feel like you said the M word, you said mythology. So now I'm even more <laughs> excited to to get into to both of your uh, urban fantasy series here. But uh, but okay, so I don't want to detract uh, from Black Coat too much here. Um, so I'm really glad you said that though, because I know there's a lot of people that I talk to, and um, you know we have a lot of the same. Uh, you know, reading or writing or, you know, urban fantasy taste. So I'm glad you said that because I know they're going to be really excited for your other series as well. Uh, I'm actually just curious to know um, when you're thinking about urban fantasy, all right, what's the, your favorite thing about writing urban fantasy or your least favorite thing about writing urban fantasy? I'm just curious. My favorite thing about uh, writing urban fantasy is the fact that I can I can do what I want within kind of reason. Um, if I want to use magic and have big magic battles on, on a bridge in London, then I can, and I have. If I want to have cool. a dragon land on a bridge in London, and I've done that too, I can. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, and no one can say, no, that doesn't fit with the world that you've created, because yeah. it completely fits with the world that I've created. Um, if I want to have, you know, Hades turn up and talk to King Arthur, I can do that because that is completely within the rules of the world that I created. And there's so much flexibility in urban fantasy. There's so much magic and werewolves and vampires and witches and the whole thing. And um, that's my favorite thing that I can just, even if, you know, I've written a new book in a new series and it hasn't got any of that mythology in it from, from actual mythology, but it's got the mythology from that, that world in it. Um, and I can just play around with it because, yes. you know, it's, it's, there, there are parts on it that are based on real life mythology and stuff, but it's not real life mythology. And yeah, I love that. I love that about urban fantasy that I can just have a dragon. You know what I And I can do that. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to go, no, that's, that's silly. That doesn't fit. You know, um, as long as I've kept to the rules that I've created and I do, you know, I don't just bring people back from the dead or, or start having people who can fly and stuff for no reason and things like that. But yeah, I, I mythology has got endlessly interesting characters in it from all sorts of, you know, I use Mesopotamian mythology and oh, cool. um, Norse and Greek and Roman and Egyptian and, and, and Scottish and Irish and all sorts of things. And there's so many interesting characters in and and that you you could probably never run out yeah just use them uh and i love that i love i love researching all of that and then seeing what i can do with it yeah uh that's my favorite thing about writing urban fantasy i think see guys i'm not crazy steve said the same exact thing (laughs) i said two weeks ago when we talked about it and some people are like well and i think that's like and me and dirk talked about that too you know like again within reason but like you know like i was just talking to ben uh about this earlier with one of the jim butcher characters that i know we're not going to give it away guys don't worry no spoilers but you know there's it's one of those books where somebody dies and it was spoiled for me but i still need to go read the rest so i'm about halfway through and I want to go read the rest to still figure out what happens. And they're such good books. And I feel like he does a great job, you know, with the mythology and just the different things. And they're definitely, you know, just, you know, pinnacles um, with David Gamel, I feel like. And, you know, but we were just talking about that kind of thing. And um, I, we were curious if that person was going to come back. And I feel like because it's urban fantasy, there's a lot of really cool ways that that person could. 
and it would still fit within the genre based off of what he's already done. And I, you know, but some people are like, you know, obviously with just fantasy in general, get upset about the, the Captain America effect, as I like to call it, how many times has Captain America really died in the comics and, yeah. you know, and then come yeah. back, you know, and there, there's definitely a law of diminishing returns. You exactly. Can't keep yep. People back from the dead and yep. have people care yep. because, you know, if you read comics and, and Spider-Man dies, you know that they're not going to let Spider-Man stay dead. Yeah, exactly. Spider-Man. Yeah. He's going to come back. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's definitely that. Um, I, I, made a pretty big uh point at the beginning when i started writing of if so if a character dies then they're dead yeah and that yeah. is that um there are a couple of characters who everybody thinks are dead and they are not dead but when they die they're dead um there's one character who definitely everyone thinks he's dead and he's not dead and they're pretty pissed off that he doesn't die but <laughs> he there, there was there was a logical reason why he hadn't died um and that reason fed into the storyline of that book. And, and if you can do that and you can make sure that you don't do it a lot, that's the key. Yeah. Um, well, that's a Game of Thrones, the George R. R. Martin yeah. effect, you know, like where like he kept saving characters, right? But it made sense at the beginning of the series. At least that's what like Rob J. Hayes, Durka, that we're talking about on one of their podcasts. And, but then eventually it was like, okay, like these people – Anyway, and a lot of people did die, but some people got saved later in the series and it didn't fit the algorithm, so to speak. Right? Like it didn't fit the equation. Yes. And then some people were like, wait a minute. I, was, I know there was a lot of people angry. I forget which book it was, but they're like, no, 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 no. Like these people should have died, but they didn't. But then all these other characters died right off the bat. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that um, law of diminishing return. I, I like the fact that if you're going to kill a character off it, it, and they're a major character, there should be a point to it, not just shock effect. Again, shock is the law of diminishing returns. You kill. That's that was uh, always an issue with like the Lord of, uh, Game of Thrones TV show, yeah, um, and the books as well. But you know that you kill one character off in a shocking way. Awesome. You kill seventeen characters off in a shocking <laughs> way over the space of a single. Okay, that's not so. Where, that's just why should I care anymore yeah, yeah, about yeah. these characters? Because any one of them could die at any point. Yeah. Um, within like just a sentence oh and then he died or you know got an arrow through his eye or something and and uh, my my concern is always that if whilst i'm happy to kill off characters i think actually have deserved to die or or their story is their death is it's the end of their story i don't want to just do it for shock look he's dead and then you know freak people out because um i i, I don't know that just that just feels like it's you can do it once or twice. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you're starting. People are going to start getting annoyed that you're starting to kill off characters. Um, That's what no they call build up characters. to their deaths. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I try not to do to do that too much. I try to uh, if I kill someone off, it's because that's the end of their arc in a natural way. Um, I've done a few which were shocking deaths, but that that was the end of their arc in a natural way in my book <laughs> um so yeah but i do think there's a uh uh yeah i do think there's 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 there needs to be reasons for just wiping out vast quantities of your characters well yeah i think i think you're totally right there because if i feel like if you're at a point in your story or your trilogy and all you can do to make it exciting is just kill off characters for shock value it's like 
you don't really have a good story anymore and you should either wrap it up in a, you know, a way that makes sense or you should change something that, you know, it yes. is more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And I've read books where they've had a cast of hundreds and it's very clearly killing off characters to whittle that cast down to a more manageable number. Yeah. Um, Wheel of time. <laughs> yeah. And, and poor, poor Brandon, man. <laughs> you can completely tell that yeah. that's what's happening. That yeah. they, they just got to the point of, I have got way too many characters yeah. to kill a few off. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I, don't, I didn't ever want to get to that point because that's just like, if I ever get to that point, I, I have an Excel spreadsheet. That's how I track everything. Oh, cool. And if my Excel spreadsheet ever gets to like the hundreds of characters, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, that will be massive slaughter of characters just to kind of get <laughs> back down to a more manageable number. But hopefully I'll never get to that stage. Yeah. Well, I just think it's funny because like my buddy and I were about to book club after this here in a couple hours, uh, Males and Book of the Fallen. And like every other book we forget about, you know, 30 major characters because there's just so many characters. And then I'm like, wait, didn't that guy die? And my friend goes, no, it was the other guy that died. And I'm like, no, I think it was that girl. And like, we have to go onto the wiki just to like <laughs> keep track. And we were, yes. was, yeah, we were just talking about Wheel of Time like that because uh, he sent me a, um, because we're about to read the Wheel of Time together for the first time. And uh, Mark Timoney is actually going to come into Discord with us and we'll, um, as a time change, obviously. So we'll just go through Discord and, you know, put different stuff uh, with together. But it was just funny that, we had just, he sent me, um, both of them actually sent me uh, the same meme or whatever, where it would, I think it was Brandon Sanderson was on, uh, I forget whose podcast he was on, but he was just talking about that, like how he had to literally get, you know, he got the Wheel of Time from, you know, Robert Jordan's wife, his editor, and then he was like, I just got to start killing off characters, and it was all about <laughs> how he decided he was going to kill this person and not this person, and um, it was funny because Benjamin uh, from Literature and Lo-Fi um, with his YouTube channel, I just had him earlier and we were just talking about that before we started recording where, you know, it was like book six or seven, whatever he took over. Like it was just like, bam, 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 bam. But there was like no way he was going to be able to wrap up all the story arcs. So, you know, like, what do you do at that point? Especially if you're taking well, over. Yeah. It's, when you take over from somebody else, I imagine that's a very difficult kind of, I've got, you know, four books to wrap up a 10 book story arc because of taking over from somebody else that's uh yeah that can't be remotely easy yeah and then uh we were talking i think marco our fletcher and i were talking about like i think it was him and i or scott we're talking about like you know uh like <laughs> kind of prepping your own work in case somebody has to take over for you later where you don't have like <laughs> all the males on cast you know <laughs> like, yeah it's like because uh, we were talking about farhad and you know uh the gray mauser um and i'm totally blanking on the original author's name and then, you know, like somebody took over his work, uh, which I was glad because the, the newer ones were just as good as the older ones. But uh, yeah, it was, it's always an interesting circumstance when that happens. But yeah, I just feel like too many cast of characters. Yeah, you know, my friend made a good point. He's like, I really don't care about half these people in the Malazan books. Yeah. Like, I only want to read about these ones. And that's the problem. When you yeah. have a huge cast, there's only so much time to, to kind of devote to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I read Garden, Gardens of the Moon. For the first time not that long ago oh okay. um and i i read the second one dead house gates which is like if gardens of the moon is here dead house gates is, is up here but by the end of gardens of the moon I, I was kind of like well that's that's interesting but i didn't care about half the people in this book yeah i cared yeah. about the, the the soldiers who got betrayed yeah, and yeah. they were trying to get justice yep. um um 
but I didn't care about random person number 17 walking up the mountain and all this kind of, I just didn't that didn't bother me um which is what I, the second book is much more focused oh yeah because you got Callum Callum yeah. Fiddler yeah Crocus Absalar yeah it's like a, yeah. it's almost like a new party yeah and it's vastly improved because yeah. it's focused uh whereas Guns of the Moon is very splatter all over the place here's some stuff uh and and so I can understand why people find that first book to be super hard work oh, because yeah. it is super hard work. Oh, he throws you right into the ocean. Yeah. yeah, characters are introduced, and you're like, oh, okay, and then they're never in the book again. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. What, what? What? And this happens all the way up until the end of the book when characters yeah. are introduced, and then you're like two hundred two hundred fifty pages in, and I think you just I think that's like what you said. Like you're finally with the soldiers. You realize that Whiskey Jack was there <clears> earlier. Um, yeah. Perrin was there and you're like oh okay but it's like why yeah it's almost like you know then you get Absalar's little journey but you're kind of like what my friend said he was like we could have literally cut out 200 pages and just been yeah. here and I'm like yeah totally I think that's where a lot of people um especially for Kindle you know uh DNF uh we were talking about that because Dirk and them were just talking about it where you know, I think that's where 65 or 70% of the people DNF is the first 200 pages. And it's because of yes. that reason, because you don't even get to the main cast of characters till 250 to 275 pages yeah. in of a 900-page book. And if that book was just about those guys, yeah, um, then that book would have been a fantastic 400-page fantasy book. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and but, but as a 900-page fantasy book with all this other erroneous stuff, um, you do by the end of it. I, I was just kind of like, bloody hell! There's so much stuff yeah. happening um, that you you do need a wiki just to kind of like, yeah, right, yeah, I don't yeah. understand why is this person now here when they were there, sort of thing. Uh, but the second book is very clearly written by an author quite some time after the first. Oh, one. for sure, for sure. A bit like Stephen King and um, Gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Very clear. Gunslinger is. A bit of hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for a smaller book, book, too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for a smaller uh, but book. But the second yeah. book is so good because he's had so much practice of writing from yeah. that first book to the second book. Um, and I think that really helps. I think uh, I think a lot, lot of authors who, who are prolific, their earlier stuff, they'll write something and then it'll be published and then you're like, what the heck is that? And then the second book, they wrote a long time after the first book yeah. and it's so much improved because they've improved as an author. Well, that's like, I, you know, I just talked about just improvements and, you know, with somebody two weeks ago, I think it was like Mallory Coon. And then I talked to Scott and, and actually Michael about this too, where, you know, like I, like R.A. Salvatore is one of my favorite authors of all time. Uh, I go back now and try to read the Crimson Shadow about 10 years ago. And I couldn't do it because all the things I love about him, you know, we're totally different because that's one of his first, uh, you know, trilogies. Yeah. And, you know, you go, you go from reading somebody's 20th book, you know, to their original three and in a different, you know, universe. And they're still really well loved. I think I'm going to try and go back again, but write what, cause I haven't read anything from him for a while. Cause I just was trying to take a break to then go back in and enjoy the newer ones again. But like, I could definitely tell even like, you know, 12 years ago when I picked them up, uh, you know, that it was just totally, you know, at the start of his journey. But it, it kind of makes yeah. me feel better, you know, to know that like somebody who does these just like epic works now, you know, was at a beginning stage too. I just think it's a great example of, you know, progress really. 
Yes. I mean, I, I, I will happily put my own books into that. Crimes Against Magic, um, I wrote about three years before it came out-ish. Um, and I wrote the second one, Born of Hatred, about a, a year after, about six months later. And I think that my writing improved immeasurably from book one to book two. I look back at book one now and, and I think, well, I could remove that and I could remove that. And that didn't make sense. I don't know what that was in there. That could remove that. So I think when you get authors who, who have written a lot um, or, or they've written a lot and it's, it's spaced out quite evenly over a period of time, you do notice quite massive improvements in, in Stephen King, Dean Koontz, even Robin Hobb. And, um, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Um, her Farseer uh, trilogy is much, much better than the first, the Assassin's Apprentice trilogy. Yeah, that first um, book I really did enjoy, but it took I had to take a couple breaks because I was <coughs> like, okay. And then my friend said the same thing. Uh, you know, they're like, you just need to, you know, to do that. My friend said that he actually because the the brothers Gwyn do this too, John's kids, where I think that's what they were saying was they did you know, the second trilogy first and then went back and read them as yeah, people yeah. and it was a lot different. I, I, I love John's, John's work, um, but even though he's only written, I think, seven or eight books now. Something like that, yeah. Um, his, his second book is so good. His first book is brilliant. That you look, you read it and you think, I don't know how you're going to do better than that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. so good. And then he just does every single time. They just get that first four book arc, that last book, is absolutely one of the best fantasy books I've read in uh, a long time. Oh, cool. Um, I haven't read his new stuff yet, the new trilogy. Oh, yeah. I just um, got Shadow of the Gods a couple of weeks ago because it was when it, maybe like a month ago or whenever it first came out because one of the independent bookstores had it. And I was like, well, I was like, I want it. It'll help his sales the first month and it's independent bookstore. So I was like, I just snatched it for later. Yeah, I've got them all. I just haven't read them yet. Yeah, I, um, I just found courage today. Actually, at a used book sale, and I was like, "Yeah, definitely grabbing that for four fifty. <laughs> it looked like it had never been opened. And I was like, "How dare you, people!" <laughs> like, I don't know. If I have, like... I have signed hardcovers of all four of the first books. Oh, that's cool. Um, he uh, he very kindly left me. Uh, I, I did a signing a week after him at Forbidden Planet oh, cool. in London, and he kindly left me a signed copy of his fourth book uh, for me to pick up before him. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I've got all four and, and they're amazing books. And they're, they're, I think, I think now, uh, with the amount of talent that we've got in fantasy, urban fantasy, fantasy, science fiction, horror, that whole kind of, um, it's probably better than it's ever been. Oh, I, I definitely agree. Cause you can go I, I anywhere. Think, yeah. Go anybody site. you want. Yep. Yeah. If, if there's, if there's a story you like and it's, uh, and you know, someone's written something similar to it, then you it, there's there's something good there. Yeah. Independent, traditional, however, um, there's so much incredible stuff out at the moment. Um, and and you know, it just gets better. Seems to get better and better and better and better. You know, Broken Earth totally. books, um, Anna Stevens, R.J. Barker, uh, Pete McLean. There's there's an absolute wealth of brilliant authors out there at the moment oh, yeah. so um it is very much a time to be it's a time to be a reader it's a bit of a terrifying time to be an author because <laughs> you read someone else's work and you're like i don't even I don't yep. know, how am i supposed to do that how, yep. I, how do i get better than that no or i hear like, you yeah that's christopher g brenning's book like I, i'll be done tonight um 
after I get my work done for 20 pages of edits, um, I'm going to finish up the last 45 pages of the Hellborn King. And I'm like, this, you know, I'm like, it's like, I'm like, I know it's not his debut, but I'm like, how do you like, like, how do you even come close to that? (laughs) It it literally, I think it's gonna, I think when people catch on to the trilogy, um, he's on book two, uh, he's writing now. I think when people catch on, like, I actually think it'll re- reassert the grim dark genre for a lot of people because it's grim dark but it's the kind of grim dark it's the the conan type of grim dark the you know i feel like some people try to put too much dark in grim dark now it's got a very fine line and i feel like it's more originally grim dark than a lot of novels in the you know in that particular uh subgenre than i've read within the last 10 years and yeah i i was every time i read i i think i had to put it down for a little bit because i was just so jealous because <laughs> it's like seriously like and the cover is amazing his blurb is great his characters are amazing how he sections off his chapters are amazing and i i message him a lot too and i'm like christopher is this isn't even fair <laughs> uh but yeah i definitely understand that yeah one. there's 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 so much good good stuff out there it's just oh, yeah. it's just um, um it's a brilliant time to um to be a reader oh yeah and and it's just um and and also being being an author and having author friends and being able to talk to them and seeing their success and seeing them do well, uh, that's very cool. And I think that's that's one of the benefits of social media. That, yeah. That, you know, especially with the last couple of years of the pandemic, um, and and all of us, I think, have had a book out during the pandemic at some point. And if, having a book out is not the easiest thing in the world at the best of times, and it's terrifying. Having a book out in the middle of a pandemic and trying to like sell your book online yeah. whilst civilization crumbles yeah. is a bit more of a challenge. I have to admit, it's been a bit of a strange couple of years. No, I I definitely understand. I was just talking. Uh, you know, I had so many um, you know, comic cons and different things lined up, and yeah, it just everything got tanked. And I was supposed to go meet a bunch of authors and do these in person got tanked so and that's like uh my yeah. our fletcher and i are on facebook talking about doing the toronto comic-con in march if it still goes on if you you know you can fly you know i was supposed to go up there this weekend for a comic-con or next year next weekend for a comic-con up in toronto um and you know meet a couple people and do these in person and you know the border between i'm um, we're the next you know state over it's like it's not even technically open uh so I was like, told my wife, I was like, well, guess I'll be at home next weekend. <laughs> <We'll try. laughs> so I was like, well, maybe I can try and rearrange and get a couple more interviews done at least to, you know, to do it that way. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I definitely understand that. It definitely seems very strange. And you can't really go on the road right now too much, you know, no. depending on where you're at. And, you know, I, I'm going to London on Tuesday. Oh, cool. To do, to do a reading with RJ. Oh, cool. Um, so that's pretty cool and then I've got a con at the end of October which is the first con since the pandemic yeah. started in Bristol um, so that'd oh, be nice cool. to get to see you know uh, a, a bunch of friends of mine and and say hello and have a drink and chat writing which should be nice yeah. uh, it's not easy it's nice to find to... people <laughs> no you have not. to go to no. a community event in order we were just talking about that yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago me and Mark like Cause him and me will go on like a, you know, Friday night, uh, which is Friday night for me, Saturday morning for him. And we'll just talk writing because, you know, we just feel so secluded right now. That's why I wanted to do the podcast still. Cause I'm like, well, even if you can't meet people in person, you know, can, we can at least talk about it. And, you know, it's like, like teaching, there's not a lot, there's a lot of teachers, but you still like one in 10 people in a room's a teacher. 
and it's different and writers it's like and then to do sci-fi or urban fantasy within a writing group you know group there's still not that many people it seems like there's so many books and stuff but when you really look at it it's like it's a very small percentage of the population so it's hard to just talk to people about what you like to do so yes yeah there's there's uh it is it's quite difficult to to most people don't understand yeah exactly most most of my friends who aren't authors yeah I'll say to them oh i've got to do this and they'll be like i don't i don't understand yeah. what you're talking about um a lot of my friends who are readers are just are just like actually the one thing i get more than anything else is uh friends of mine who are readers who will post on their web on their facebook or twitter oh i've just read this book by this guy and i'll reply say, oh he's really cool i like him or her or whatever and uh, I get lots of messages from, from people like, how do you know these people? Well, we have the same job and yeah. we kind of all talk to one another. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's sort of the only people you can talk to about yeah. having the same job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it is. It is uh, it's, being an author is an odd profession at the best of times. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, you know, I had something pop up the other day and I was so excited and, like, you know, my wife and my friends really try, like they really do, but they just, they just don't know what's going on, you know? And it's, it's like, you're speaking a different language. And then when Mark yeah. saw my status, Timony, he messaged me on Facebook. He's like, yeah, that's so cool. You know, and we had like a real conversation about it and no offense to anybody, but it's just, if you don't know, you don't know. And that's just, you know, certain life experiences, you know, and that's like the military, you know, like people think they know what the military goes through, but unless you're actually in the military, you know, like no offense, you, you don't have any idea. So, and that's what no, a lot of them have no. said to me too. And I feel like writing's a lot, you know, a lot like different things like that, like different groups you don't know unless you actually know. And yeah, it's a lot different. Like I, I met somebody random a couple of weeks ago. So one of my wife's like friends, uh, uh, husbands, and I found out he's a fantasy author and sci-fi author around here. And <laughs> she mentioned something and we probably were there for about an hour, you know, and then she mentioned something and I was like, Oh yeah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, I do that. And we were, I mean, after that, it was like, you know, it was on, you know, <laughs> and they were like, okay, like two and a half hours later, you know, we're talking about writing fantasy and sci-fi. And have you checked out this book? Have you checked out this author, you know, Twitter or whatever, and, or this resource. And I mean, I, the, it went by so quickly, <laughs> like, you know, our wives were like, okay, boys, it's time to go. You have a you know, play date, but you know, it's like, out, you know, especially online, it's one thing, but like out, you know, in person, especially right now during the pandemic, like it was like, yeah. it was like finding a unicorn, I feel like. Yeah, it was yeah. Really fun, so I, I got to go to uh, actually what I'm doing next week in London, I got to go to last month as well. And I got to see um, uh, Jeff Matthews, who wrote oh, uh, cool. Seven Deaths of It, and yeah. um, Adrian, who wrote Snake. Um, oh, blimey, Snake. Snakewood? Can't remember now. It really <laughs> bugged me. Um, and, uh, and I got to chat to them and, and yeah, it was, um, nice to talk to people in person again yeah. and just kind of have a chat about writing and, oh, yeah. and what we've been doing and what we're working on. And yeah. And, yeah. And I think those things are important and you, you don't realize how much you miss them. And I know that sort of, they've always said that writing is a very, in, a very, uh, lonely profession. I think that's the phrase. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? But I don't think writing is a lonely profession. I think I think you, you, there's a lot of people to talk to and, 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 and discuss a thing. But I think the actual innards of writing, yeah, discussing actual writing is quite a lonely thing. Um, because authors are still fairly uncommon. 
Yeah. Published authors, even less. Um, so talking to people about writing and publishing and what you've been doing and how publishing is working out and how this, that, and what other is working out. And you only really see people at cons. So when that's all taken away, you don't really have anyone to talk to yeah. with regards to your publishing and how it's been going and how the writing's going and did you find an agent and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's nice. Hopefully, things will start to get back to at least some semblance of normality in the not yeah. distant future. Um, and then we can start to do cons properly again and, and, and not have to... Uh, not, well, not that this is terrible, or and you know, it's it's great to be able, you know, because even when all the cons come back, I still can't fly out to America every yeah. time I want to no, go yeah, and do yeah, a yeah. do a con. So, yeah. um, time time zones are always a factor yeah. of of yeah. talking to friends who write as well. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it is it is uh, yeah. I think seeing when you get a room full of writers together and they're all talking shop, it is quite a magical experience. Because everyone's in the same boat, which is why we're not in competition with one another. We're all yeah. doing the same thing. We're all trying to get the same thing. But we're not trying to get the same thing at the expense of somebody else. Yeah. So when you put us all in a room together, no matter what the genre is, uh, it's all the same. And we're all kind of on the same level, all chatting about writing and how we write, why we write, what we're doing, publishing-wise. <clears throat> And uh, I think that's a really big part. The community is a really big part oh, for of sure. being an author. Um, and social media has allowed that to happen a lot easier than it used to. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I find that I, I find that kind of uh, that community of, of authors who can just get together and talk to be completely essential if you're an author. Um, which is why I always say, if you're an author and you don't know anybody, and you come to a con, and you see me, or what someone I'm with, and you recognise one of us, come and say hello, because we will 100% not shun you. <laughs> or, you know, like, everyone's got to have their first con. Everyone's yeah. had their first kind of experience not knowing anybody. So, yeah. Um, I've, I, I rarely meet authors who are assholes. Yeah, yeah. There's very few of them. Oh, Most yeah. of them you all learn about very quickly because yeah, it's such a yeah. small community. Yeah. Um, you get blacklisted very, very quickly, I feel like, you know, if you're one of yeah. those people, so to speak, which I, I yeah, do if, feel is a good if, thing. If, if you're deeply unpleasant, for whatever reason, one way or another, uh, people will talk about it and yeah. you will get known and then no one will want to kind of talk to you. Yeah, and then it will be a lonely profession. <laughs> and then it will be a lonely profession, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because you, you mentioned that because like Mallory Coon and I were just talking about that you know and Sean Crow and I were talking about that where you know Sean had approached Anthony Ryan and he just thought oh I'll just try you know and I guess he was super super cool and helped him out a lot you know and um you know I I've talked to Kevin Hearn quite a few times about urban fantasy and research and I'm like hey I'm like I love your books you know I'm like I loved how you know you put this and that I'm like what was your research process like I asked Dirk the same thing and you know it's it's just nice when you find people that you know want to help you out and that's where I was like well I really want to do a podcast to figure out what people are thinking to give people a platform yeah. just for sales you know and I don't know I just, it's nice to help people you know because I feel like yeah like Mallory and I are talking about uh you know like 
couple weeks ago and uh that there, there was i don't know if you saw where i shared where somebody was like putting a poll out on twitter where like are we all enemies or are we all teammates and i was like oh seriously i was like we're all enemies i was like well i want to buy your books and that's why i told christopher you know brenning i'm like he's like hey thanks for helping me promote i'm like christopher i was like no offense i am being selfish because i want him to have enough sales so he gives me a second book so i said i do want to mention that part but i said you know he seems really cool and you know it's a great book and i think a lot of people will like it and I don't know. I guess I see us all as teammates because if we all do really well, you know, publishing more people will write, we'll get better books and, you know, the community yeah. will grow and we'll get more fans. And to me, I, I guess I see it as recycling or, you know, or helping your environment out. You know, it's like, I just don't understand where this, this, I, I like when I put out my urban fantasy, I'll never see you and Dirk as an enemy. That's to me is just like the total opposite. No, it's just, it's weird. It's, it's a bizarre way of thinking. Yeah, it really um, is we're all in this together at the end of the day. When, when, when you first start to write your book and even with the number of self-help books and self-help websites, no one knows anything. Yeah. No one knows a bloody thing. So we're all trying to figure out the best way of doing it. And even when you're published, you're still trying to figure out the best way of doing it because you need to keep doing it. Um, so this idea that there's, there are gatekeepers or there are people who, who consider the others, enemies is um it's just bizarre it's completely against yeah. my mindset when i when i see authors uh on online or on con and stuff my first thought is i'm gonna go say hello yeah, yeah and and see how they're doing and if i know any of them then that's great if i don't know any of them then hopefully i will by the end of it yeah, yeah. um yeah i find that uh i find that really strange that people um See, I, I, I put on Twitter a while ago, I said that if you, if, if you are someone who, and you want me to follow you back, then, you know, interact. In some, just say hello. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, don't just kind of follow me and then unfollow me because I didn't immediately follow you back. Oh, that, that drives that me insane. That drives really me so crazy. Way of, yeah, it's, a, it's just a really strange idea of following someone and then when they don't follow you back, you just unfollow them. So, and and because I don't have that much time in a day, <laughs> you know, even if exactly. I want to, yeah. I'm like, and it never would occur to me. I'm like, it's so weird. Like I probably been at like nine thirty six, which I don't care because my thing is like, you know, people like you or Dirk or Mark, you know, like I feel it's all about quality rather than quantity. So I'm like, I don't care. But I just find it so ironic that so many people lately have done that to me, and I'm just like, okay, see it. Like I don't know what their agenda yeah. is and i'm just like i'm like i don't even care because i'm like you know at the end of the day i'm like this probably really isn't the place for you you know like i want people around me you know who want to retweet or have conversations you know yes. talk about books you know i'm like I, i'm like fine see you later it's it's you know it's no skin off my teeth but yeah it's it's a very interesting concept i just i guess i just i'm a different type of person i just don't get it but no i don't either. I, yeah. I, I find it very strange. I, I, I want to talk to authors. I, yeah. I want to I want to have conversations with them because yeah. I'm an author. And, and I find that when we as authors talk to other authors, we all learn something. That's yeah. how we get better as a rule. Um, it's just when I read somebody else's books, I hope that 
I become a better writer because I've read yeah. something somebody else has written and I can see something else that from someone else's point of view. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I find that a deeply, deeply odd thing to do. No, the, yeah, the yeah. unfollowing thing, yeah. But I don't think we're we're enemies or you know, why that's just that's just weird. That's a, well, that's a really right. weird way to live your life. I know, right? We just like that had to happen. That was two weeks ago. That had to happen like the week before her and I had uh, our interview and. I think Scott Oden and I talked about before we started recording too. We were just like rolled our eyes. We're like, yeah, okay. Like it was just so such a bizarre concept to me. I just, yeah, it's yes. very, very strange. Cause I, yeah, I yeah. said to a friend of mine, he's like, man, you really do share a lot of people's stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm like, I, I will consider them friends. I was like, or, you know, peers. I was like, I want people to sell their books. I'm like, so why would I not, you know, I said, yeah. if I could retweet yours, you know, like the same thing 10 times, you know, I do it on both of my accounts as often as I can, but it's like, I wish you had the option, you know, to retweet, you know, like 10 times. So I'd be like, Oh, black coat 10 times, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just so people would see it. And it's kind of, Sometimes I do it just to undo it. And then I'll do it again, just for a different time of day. Uh, if, you know, if I did it and nobody really saw it or whatever, I'll do that. But yeah, it's, it's very strange to me, but uh, so we are running short on the Spotify time. Uh, I felt, again, I, I kind of diverged from questions, but we had a lot of really good stuff. And uh, it's, Sundays are magic, man. I don't know what's up yeah, with Sundays. Yeah. Like, and by, Ben oh, said, I think it's everybody's rested and has had coffee. So yeah. maybe that's it. But <laughs> Sundays are always the best day to, to interview people. No offense, Mark, Timoney, yours were amazing, okay? <laughs> uh, so obviously you're going to, um, you know, promo, uh, you know, Black Coat. Um, I'll put that in the description. Uh, for this video that we'll put out today, uh, we'll put it on the RSS feed, the Spotify. Um, we'll also be sharing that like I have been this week. Um, be doing that a lot the next couple of days, especially for you. Um, is there anything else that you want to promo or any other news you have right now? Uh, I don't have any other news at the moment. I've got I've got news that might possibly be happening at some point in the not too distant future, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. At the moment. So, <laughs> so we'll have to have you on. Thing. We'll have to have you on yeah. so you can share that news. Awesome. Uh, so that's that's always a fun thing. That's uh, cool. I love when people but, say that though, because that means that something really good happened, and I can't wait. Like I actually really like surprises, especially when it's somebody that I know. So that's that's yeah, awesome. It's, it's always nice when when you kind of it hasn't quite happened, but it's nearly happened. Getting there, and then there. I'll be like, okay, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but now yeah, you kind of sit in that state of limbo of I can't I can't talk about it. I'm not allowed to talk about it. Not <laughs> yeah. tell you. I can't tell you, but it's cool, but I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot to do that myself um, one of these days. I uh, That's yeah. when I really know I made it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's nothing else uh, promo-wise. People can go out and pick up like Helicon Chronicles or Avalon Chronicles or uh, Rebellion Chronicles. Or oh, I'll be putting those in links the- in for Amazon as well for um, the book one for uh, both of those series. So you guys can online can uh, can take a look at steve's books there um so you guys can just click right on the link so we'll do those uh book one for both of those series um and then the black coat uh link as well uh, and i did just want to say before we wrap up like i said steve earlier like uh, i'm really enjoying chapter one of black coat uh, i was hooked instantly so i am really uh excited that you're thinking about doing another uh, novella there yeah so. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I, I I have a plan for another novella. I oh, have cool. I have a plan for a whole series of science. Oh, cool! 
Um, it's just finding time in the day to write a whole oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. science fiction books. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a plan of, I think it's like eight or nine six oh, books. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, uh, uh, and, and I do have a plan for a second, black, a, a sequel to Black Coat. Oh, cool. Um, but it might not be a novella, it might be a full novel. It depends. Oh, on, even better. <laughs> it depends on time and whether or not the story allows for a full novel. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. normally I go into a story and I know this is a novella or this is a novel. But there are occasions when I've written a novella and it's become a novel. <laughs> That's me so, right now. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's the best intentions. It will be a novella, but it yeah, could yeah. be you know War and Peace by the time I finish. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll um, buy it either way. So you can just, you can just write it and just <laughs> put it in the Amazon store. Fine, <laughs> that's fine then. So yeah, it's uh, but no, people seem to like Black Coat. Everyone seems to enjoy it. Most people seem to enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed writing it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I wanted to write uh, uh, just. I've always, I've always liked science fiction and I've always liked like crime noir kind of science fiction yeah. as well or just crime noir in general no, yeah, so yeah. I wanted to kind of mash them together and just <sighs> that's the kind of thing with self-publishing like I said earlier you you get to take do those things you might not have been able to do at a publishers or your current publisher so um, yeah it was a lot of fun it was good fun to do good fun to write and I got to do uh, the, a scene that I've been wanting to write since I first started writing oh cool uh, which is a mech versus a monster scene. Oh, cool. Uh, a, a fight between a mech and a monster. And oh, I wanted to write awesome. that for years and yeah. years. And I finally got to write it. And then I sat down after I wrote it and I went, yeah. Oh, that's, that's really, really good. cool. And I'm very happy. And that, and I've had people emailing me, messaging me and saying, that's my favorite bit of the book. And oh, I was so happy because cool. it's brilliant. And I'm really happy that people yeah. like it because because when, when, when as an author, when, you know, you write something and people, and you think that's my favorite bit in that. Yeah, book. yeah. And other people tell you that's their favorite bit in the book. There's, there's not else, nothing else quite yeah. like it. Well, you did it, yeah. Um, like, yeah. So yeah, that's that's my uh, yeah, black coat. It's oh, uh, it's good. I like it. So yeah, it yeah. That well. Yeah. Do you guys need anything more than that? Okay, I don't know what to tell you about <laughs> science fiction. Like, you, this is the wrong podcast for you. Should probably find a different genre to to read. <laughs> uh yeah that sounds amazing uh well steve i really appreciate you coming on today we'll do our sign off here and per usual i will be uh talking to you on twitter uh thanks again for coming on today um uh guys steve and i both really want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the fantasy and sci-fi fanatics podcast uh you can find our videos on youtube twitter facebook and like i said we'll have the audio for the spotify up later today uh so steve's will be one of those first few that are on there uh, feel free to reach out to us at scholars of UMA. That's U M A at gmail.com. Uh, let us know who you'd like to see on future podcasts. Any questions you want to ask future guests, uh, feel free to send us any videos or pictures that are fantasy and sci-fi related. Again, Steve, really want to thank you for coming on. It was fun. I look forward to talking to you on Twitter and thank I you. really look forward to having, having you back in the future and hearing about that news. So <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. We well, have a good rest of the day, my friend, and I will talk to you later. Good night, sir.